I'm Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freund, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you today? I am great. The days are getting ever longer. <laughs> they are. And it's not totally dark out yet. So nope. I that's just been a big win for me. <laughs> but I love that. I am great. So that must mean that 2021 is going well for you. Yeah, I mean, so far. Good. So, yeah, how about you? I'm terrific. It's just, it's, you know, I've, I have this new, so I'm still doing my thinking in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I've been really getting some amazing, it's, it's taken a strange turn. It's, oh. it's not a bunch of necessarily ideas right now. Mm-hmm. It's a greater depth of awareness. Wow. And different understandings of things. And and it's helping me, um, at least this week in particular, has really helped me appreciate life more. Well, that, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really good. This yeah. wasn't exactly what I was planning on, um, but it, it really was. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm thrilled. And it's, you know, and when this new series that we're in now, this now our second week in our Monuments series. Mm-hmm. We teased everybody a couple weeks back when we said monuments. They probably wondered what in the world that was all about. And by now they know because of last week's when when I did uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. monument, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm looking at monuments and the stories behind the monuments and the leadership lessons that I'm taking from each of them. So when you saw the post come out his name was William what were you thinking not much um because you didn't (laughs) expect it right I did not expect it and you know it's really unfortunate that I there are many a lot there's a lot of history in Syracuse that I am there is just now learning at 29 years old um that I wish I had known sooner you know I I think yeah. you you've always been really interested in history of all kinds. Yes. We all we all know the books, the very long books that you read and listen to. Yep. Um and you know, I have never been, I guess, historically inclined. Social studies in high school is not my favorite subject. Um but this is I, I'm really looking forward to this monument series. I mean, even with what we discussed last week, um the, the monument from last week, I Googled it and I have not been to DC since that monument was um, unveiled and wow. So I'm really, this, this whole series will be a, a great you know, education for me, I think. But this week's post, I'm really, um, you shared a lot of notes with me that we'll be discussing in this podcast. And I also did some searching on the internet of my own and, um, Wow, this is this is quite the story. It really is, and and you know when I so when I came up with the title, his name was William. I was actually thinking when I wrote the post, his name was Noah, because that was one of my first posts. I think that I and I don't even know if we did a podcast oh, about it. Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> Noah was the barista that Simon Sinek bumped into mm-hmm. at. One of the high-end hotels, I think, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, just over the 
the Christmas New Year's break, I had someone email me who had read his name was Noah. Mm-hmm. And I've asked her where she heard from, and I haven't received an email back. It took me like a week to get back to her. Uh, but somehow, somewhere, somebody... Well, they're all um, still on our website, so... <laughs> they're, they're all still on our yeah. website, and I don't think this person was local. And, and so I, I have to go back and see. I don't know if we did a podcast on it. I have to go back through our 180-some mm-hmm. podcasts to see if we did. But so I, I borrowed the phrase, his name was... And I used William because, you, you know, with any title, you're using a title to try to draw someone into what you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And people in Syracuse will have no idea who William is because the people in Syracuse remember him as Jerry. And so let me set the table for our listeners that maybe didn't read the post. Back in 1850, the U.S. Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act. And what that law said was that even in northern free states, former slaves could be tracked down and apprehended and brought back into custody and taken back to their owners. Well, that was a problem for the city of Syracuse because the city of Syracuse, back in, and we kind of, you and I talked about this before we hit record, Back in, 19, in 1850, the city of Syracuse was the 28th largest city in the country. Wow. And you, mm-hmm. you had, so what, what city was it that you said is now the 28th? I looked it up in, in it? 2019, it was the date I found. Um, it was yeah. Mem- Memphis, Tennessee was the 28th largest city in 2019. Yeah. So Syracuse back in 1850 would have been the equivalent of Memphis. Mm-hmm in terms of size and in terms of of impact. And I have always been interested in in the abolitionist movement. Um, My dad was raised in a farmhouse that was part of the Underground Railroad in Ohio. I loved hearing the stories that my dad would tell about the house and the the history about the house. And 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 I can kind of picture this. He said, I wish, because the house was torn down to make way for a General Motors plant. He said, I wish I would have it, but he said, under a rug in the laundry room was a door in the floor, and there was a brass ring on the door, on that floor piece that was used to pull up the trap door. And he mm-hmm. said, I wish I had that ring. And that would be really cool if I would have, if now I would have that ring and I could have mm-hmm. it here in my office. But my parents always were telling, my dad was always telling me stories about that. And so when, and I knew growing up in Syracuse that, Syracuse was really one of the premier cities in the country to push an abolitionist movement. Mm-hmm. And, and really what, what happened was the city of Syracuse refused to adhere to that Fugitive Slave Act. And I'm, I'm scrolling through my notes here. Um, so at one point, the Secretary of State, whose name was Webster, where can I find that here? As I scroll through my notes. Daniel Webster. These were Daniel Webster. In on May in May 1851, US Secretary of State Daniel Webster stood on a balcony overlooking City Hall in Syracuse. So he came to sit, sit, the city of Syracuse and pointedly threatened the defiant little city. 
Webster labored efforts to block execution of the fugitive slave law as treason and pledged that the law will be executed in all great cities here in Syracuse in the midst of the next, and there was an anti-slavery convention going on, if the occasion shall arise. So he basically threatened the city of Syracuse, who was having these abolitionist conventions, and said, if the occasion arises, even in this city, where they're having the convention, that law will be exercised. Well, wouldn't you know that just before that, a couple years before that, Jerry, who was known as William, um, moves to Syracuse. He's working as a cooper. So a cooper is a barrel maker. And the interesting thing about, about Jerry was that Jerry was a, his last name was Henry. His, his actual legal name was William Henry. But Jerry was a better chair maker than a cooper. He was a carpenter, but he was known for making amazing chairs. And he was working um, I think at the Williston's cabinet shop making chairs, but was able to make more money at Morrill's Cooperage. So he leaves about four months before his arrest. If I have the, the dates right, I might be a little bit off. He goes to Morrill's Cooperage and starts making barrels. Right around noon on the 1st of October in 1851, federal marshals show up at Morrill's Cooperage and they arrest Jerry, and they tell him that he's being arrested for theft. So they they take him out of the of of the the cooperage, and while they're on the street, they handcuff him and they say, "Oh, by the way, no, now you're actually arrested for a violation of the Fugitive Slave Act. You're a, you're a runaway slave, and you're being arrested." So what happens is, while he is being transported, a group of vigilantes, whatever you want to call them, citizens, get him freed. But he's only free for a little while, and he's apprehended again by the federal marshals. And, and what happens is they aren't careful about how they're conducting this, this arrest. And so um, there was a Reverend, Reverend uh, Samuel May who wrote this after seeing it. He said, but when the people saw a man dragged through the streets chained and held down in a cart by four or six others who were upon him, treated as if he were the worst of felons, and learnt that it was only because he had assumed to be what God made him to be, a man and not a slave. When, when this came to be known throughout the streets, there was a mighty throbbing of the public heart, an all but unanimous uprising against the outrage. So what's happening is, People, these marshals are dragging Jerry through the streets of Syracuse to take him to the city jail. Well, the citizenry is not happy about that. And what they find is, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know, on October 1st, 1851, there is a abolitionist convention taking place. Church bells start ringing. Word gets out that a fugitive slave has been arrested and is being held in the city jail. A plan was hatched to free him. And what I really appreciated when I was reading through all the notes was that it was to be a totally peaceful act. They were, there were strict instructions to not harm anyone in this freeing of Jerry. 
So at 8 p.m. on October 1st, 1851, an estimated 2,000 to 2,500 citizens of the city of Syracuse surround the city jail. So that's and a, 10, 10% of the population at the time. 10% of the population. Of the, of the city's population. Mm-hmm. Of the city's population. Wow. What an amazing demonstration of the, the, the soul of our, of our city at the time. And then there was a man whose last name was Clapp, who was a furnace maker or a furnace, I guess they call him a furnaceman or an iron worker. And he was probably the person that was selected to go in because he was mm-hmm. the biggest. Okay. <laughs> so even though the federal marshals are, you know, firing some shots out the windows and probably over the heads of, of the citizenry, um, Mr. Clapp goes in and they basically let Jerry go because what are you going to do? There's, there's 2,000 plus people outside the door, right? Mm-hmm. And so he is, he is escorted out into safety. And interestingly enough, he is kept in the basement of a man's name whose last name was Davis, who that was the last place anyone would look for him because he was an outspoken critic of the abolitionist movement. Which makes me wonder, was he an outspoken critic because he was working for the Underground Railroad? Could yeah, be. Yeah. You know, we don't know that because we can't talk to him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now, before before they did try to, bra- in fairness, before they tried to break him out of the jail, before they broke him out of the jail, they did try legal means to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, an attorney, um, Garrett Smith, who became a congressman from Madison County, the, the back then it would have been New York's 22nd congressional district and the reverend may tried to negotiate jerry's release and they the marshals would have nothing to do with that so they pretty much broke him out wow and then he was so after being kept two days in in mr davis's uh basement he was escorted i think maybe to mexico and then to uh, new york and then to Mm -hmm. oswego and then up to kingston ontario Wow. Where Jerry lived out the rest of his life as a, I'm pretty sure he lived out the rest of his life in Kingston as a carpenter. So why did I pick the Jerry rescue? That wasn't going to be my next question. <laughs> you know, there's all, there has to be a leadership component in mm-hmm. any, because I'm a student of leadership and I'm a student of history. I loved the fact that the people of Syracuse saw a law that they felt was in conflict with the Constitution. And they weren't going to just bow to what people said when they knew it was wrong. Leaders don't just sit by and watch injustice going unaddressed. Mm-hmm. You know, and they put themselves, in, and real leaders put themselves at risk. Yeah, there was a mob of 2,000 people plus, but 19 federal indictments were handed down for those involved in the rescue. So the federal government was not going to stand by and let this happen. And they, so they prosecuted. And of those who were indicted included a U.S. Senator, a former gov- U.S. Senator and former governor, so William Seward. There was an indictment tor- for him, uh, sent down against him. Um, Garrett Smith, who was the, um, the soon-to-be congressman, um, and, and a series of others. Now, this went through a lot of courts of appeals. And if I'm not mistaken, there was one person who was convicted 
but that conviction was overturned or something like that. Mm-hmm. An in- another interesting thing that I thought was wonderful is Garrett Smith decided to turn the tables on the federal government and obtained an indictment against one of the federal marshals for kidnapping. So they were trying to use whatever legal measures they could. Now, that's certainly that marshal was later acquitted. But what it did was going through the legal process the way they wanted to, they were able to draw attention to what they believed and argue against the constitutionality of the Fugitive Slave Act. Because the Constitution says, all men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. So the fugitive late slave law should have never been considered constitutional because it wasn't viewing the slaves as people having rights. There was an interesting proclamation that was made, and I don't know where this proclamation was, but it was when I did my research, because usually when it says, be it resolved, it's typically some type of a legal proclamation. So after this, this event, it says, Resolved that we rejoice that the city of Syracuse, that anti-slavery city of Syracuse, the city of anti-slavery conventions, our beloved and glorious city of Syracuse, still remains undisgraced by the fulfillment of the satanic prediction in the, of the satanic Daniel Webster. So, I mean, I, I don't really agree with them getting so personal mm-hmm. in, their, in their resolution. But the city wanted to resolve, or the group wanted to resolve the fact that the city still had not bowed to what they believed was an unconstitutional law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were that commit- in- shows just the commitment. Yes. Mm-hmm. What 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 exciting it's you know what an exciting thing for us to live in a city that believed so deeply in what they believed the Constitution said at the risk of physical harm, political harm, legal harm, they did what was right. And what's great is that if you go to Clinton Square, and I'm pretty sure it's on the southwest corner of Clinton Square, is the Jerry Rescue Monument. Mm-hmm. So, what, you know, when, and, and when we think about monuments, so what good are monuments? We certainly don't erect monuments for perfect people because there are no perfect people. But monuments encourage us to continually live out the values, the lessons that those monuments represent. And for me, it's, okay, so what can I do to continue the mindset, that leadership philosophy of, Don't be silent when things aren't right and do what's right. That, you know, how can I add value to people and and, and carry on the values of those people in our city that in 1851 on that October day took engaged in a frightening but peaceful act to free a man who was arrested unjustly. Who do I know that might be in some way enslaved or whatever in something that they shouldn't, you know, can I help free people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we don't have, you know, slavery like we did then. Um, But what can I do to make it better? What can I do to carry on the legacy of those abolitionists? 
So that's why I picked the Jerry Rest. Wow. What did I miss? I did a ton of talking, and I feel bad about that. <laughs> this is never supposed to be a lecture. Well, I, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not um, a story that I was familiar with prior to this. And I think it really speaks to, you know, the strength of, of Syracuse and really, again, just coming back to under having an understanding. And, and I know not all of our listeners are in Syracuse right, or, that's or true. even central New York, but um, it's easy to get so caught up in our own lives or our, ourselves even um, and not really have an understanding of, of where we came from. Right. And so I, I you know, like I, I, I am still in awe of the fact that 10% of Syracuse's population yes. at the time participated yeah. in this. And, you know, they were, like you said, you know, willing to face legal action um, or political you know, have their political careers damaged. Right, right. Potentially be physically harmed by the marshals um, because they were committed to to helping and to doing what was right. And I, I think we have a lot to learn from our past in many ways. Yes. And this is yep. just eye-opening for me. And I, re- I, I really want to know if you, if you know what your next monument will be. Or if it's... I do. I know where my next monument is. Um, it is another one that is in the city of Syracuse mm-hmm. that I never knew was there until last fall. Okay. So you'll keep us hanging. <laughs> I'm going to keep us hanging. It, I'll tell people, especially if you're in Syracuse, it is a bronze plaque that is embedded in a large stone right in the city of Syracuse. In the center of downtown, hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep us hanging. Okay. And and you know and I want to I want to go back just for a minute and say what got the people of Syracuse so worked up is what Reverend May articulated. Mm-hmm. They saw a man being dragged through town with four to six marshals on top of him treating him as though he was the worst felon that had ever been in the city. And that injustice they could not bear. Mm-hmm. And I think we as, as you know, if, if we want to be leaders, and I'm always going to circle back to the leadership piece. If we want to be leaders, we can't ever tolerate injustice. Mm-hmm. And that's why the 10%, you know, the church bells rang and, it probably didn't hurt that they were having a convention in town, you know, to talk about abolition. Um, but it was just, for me, it's still a great moving story. Um, and maybe what I'll try to do, Marissa, I'll try to get a link that I can put in the description of the podcast so people can see what the what the monument looks like, mm-hmm. the Jerry Rescue Monument. Yeah. Yeah, the Onondaga Historical Association is a great resource. It is. Yes, Absolutely. And what's really great for us is is Syracuse University has a lot has a lot of letters and documents from Garrett Smith mm-hmm. regarding the Jerry Rescue. You know, mm-hmm. even the man, uh, so Mr. Clapp, he had to leave his home. And I don't believe he ever returned to Syracuse. 
because mm-hmm. he probably would have faced some kind of criminal prosecution. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he lived out the rest of his life in St. Catharines, Ontario. Mm-hmm. But he did what he knew he needed. So all of us need to do what we know we need to do. Do what's right. Any special plans? Are you you're, you got your winter bucket list? Yes. Yep. We were cruising right through, you know, during the holiday season. Things have slowed down a little bit. Some of our plans have been dependent on snow, which we haven't had much of. So it's been, yeah, it's been a rather meager winter for us. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe by the time this airs, we may have had some. Yes. But right now, it's like not winter here. Mm-hmm. So, How well, about I you? hope for your sake you get some good stuff. So, right now, um, Believe it or not, I'm in the middle of a renovation process for my home office. So I'm building some cabinets and I'm getting ready this weekend. I'm going to be doing some painting. Wow. So I'm super excited to make this a more creative space. How's that's that? a, that's great. Space. That's really great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Got to do it before spring comes when I have to go outside and start working on it. <laughs> great. So with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. And this was The Next Page.